As Michigan's most powerful and influential voice for business, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce stands ready to serve you. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com to learn more now. I think that was the auditorium, I think. That's the part that, that caught fire? Yeah, I okay. think. What school was this? So this was Highland Park High School. Okay. In May, the former Highland Park High School building caught fire. Now, the damaged structure just serves as a sad reminder of a city's decline and the education system that went with it. There's no high school in the city. For the last seven years, high school-aged kids here have had to attend school elsewhere, leaving parents to worry about long commutes for their kids. It's also left officials worried about what an incomplete school system means for their neighborhoods. And I talked to the emergency manager who closed the high school, and he was basically like, like, I had no choice. There were not enough students. I guess my only question is, what would be the difference between what they're doing now and then? Because don't they still have, a, have to find students to fill that school? Now a group of city officials have plans to bring a high school back to the city. But what could that look like? I think that uh, a city that doesn't have a school for children is just basically doomed. On this episode, the remaining hometown pride in the Highland Park polar bears and the journey to a new future high school. The children are the light. They are the ones that um, are our future. If we're not able to adequately educate our children, then um, Highland Park will never reach that potential. I'm your host, Carrie Jr. II, and this is On The Line. Hi, folks. My name is Lily Altavina. If you've listened to our podcast before, you probably know Lily Altavina pretty well. She's the educational equity reporter for the Detroit Free Press. This week, she joins us to talk about a city's enduring high school spirit. Um, welcome back, Lily. Good to talk with you again. Um, we're going to delve into a city that's in Detroit, but technically it's not in Detroit, but it's also kind of in Detroit, uh, Highland Park. Yeah, when you drive through Highland Park, you might not even realize that you're in Highland Park. Like, you might see the library, um, the city hall, but you may not know that you're actually in a suburb, kind of like him, exactly just like Hamtramck, that's just located in the middle of Detroit's limits. So Highland Park was once known as the city of trees. There are like a lot of trees in Highland Park. You know, if you could go down any of the residential streets, um, there were a lot of people who used to live in Highland Park because it was the site of the first assembly line. Um, there was a Model T plant right on Woodward Avenue. It also served as home to the Chrysler Corporation headquarters for decades. It, it was basically a suburb smack dab in the middle of the city, an enclave for families, including the school district, you know, was a, was a big draw. Can we talk about what the current state of Highland Park's education system is? What's going on there? There's two schools total. Um, so there's Barber Prep, which is the school authorized by the school district. It goes kindergarten through eighth grade, and they have roughly about 268 students. Then there's George Washington Carver Academy. That has nearly 400 students, and that also only goes up until about eighth grade. Hmm. So two schools that no high school included in there. How did this happen? You know, even going back into the early 2000s, even earlier than that, 
enrollment was precipitously dropping in Highland Park. Like in the 90s, you'd still get sort of stories that were like Highland Park, you know, visited schools, visited by a basketball star. In, you know, the, the 2000s and the 2010s, you'd see stories like Highland Park, an economic freefall. And so that was the position in 2012. Highland Park schools had an $11 million deficit because enrollment in six years had gone from 3,200 students to 1,300 students. That's like they lost half their students, uh, more than half. And Michigan funds districts on a per-student basis. These days, that means when a student leaves, they take a baseline of $8,700 with them. But back to Lily and how Highland Park wound up here. A former school board member had been convicted of embezzling 200000 from Highland Park schools. You know, the state, and this wasn't unique to Highland Park, it was doing this all across Michigan and Flint and um, Benton Harbor at different times, appointed an emergency manager to take control of the locally appointed school board. And so the state quickly handed the reins of the school district over charter school to a charter school management company. And from there, even more schools closed. More families left Highland Park. That flight just further decimated the, the school system in Highland Park. Also in play, there had been concerns with the quality of education in the district. What are family and community members feeling about the school district itself? You know, the fact that there is no high school. Yeah, the parents I've talked to want a high school. You know, I've talked to parents with, with students in older grades. And part of it is like a convenience factor. Lily, free press photographer Drifu Han and I visited the home of Tisha Jordan in May. She's a Highland Park resident and a mother of teenage twin boys, Chase and Cody. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having us. We You're really welcome. You know, Tisha wishes kids in Highland Park had the same experience she did. Growing up on Detroit Seaside, her elementary, middle, and high school were all within four miles of each other. It's important to note Black students are more likely to face long commutes, according to a 2018 report from the Urban Institute. And there have been concerns raised over the years about the impacts of these commutes on kids' well-being, among them sleep and exercise. For Tisha, the big concerns are the safety on the trip and the missing community. I went to Persia High School, I went to Greenfield Park Elementary School, that's in Detroit, and I went to Nolan Middle School off of 7 Mile or 75. And my parents dropped me off. Um, I was right at a bus line that I could get, and it was much safer than when I was in school. And I, my parents didn't really worry about, you know, your children really, really being safe catching a bus. I had that community elementary school, I had that community middle school, I had that community high school. And it was like a leverage of children, you know, you grew up with, they became your friends, your best friend, and you continued on in life in high school, you know, and as adults. I did. I still have my friends that from elementary, I'm still friends with them. Every child should have that experience. And instead of jumping from this school to that school, and you have to go abroad when it's time to go to high school, everybody have to go different. Some parents had to move out of their little community just to be have their child in a safe place of school. That is one of our parent main goals is to have their child in a school that's convenient that they know they're safe going to. And then can you take me to that time when they were like eighth graders about to go to high school and you had to figure out what school to take them to? Um, I sat down and thought about it a lot. I researched a lot of schools. I worked off of Six Mile in Wyoming so it was Mumford was one of my because they can go to work for me early and maybe catch the bus or you know walk. This school that they picked 
That's the high school they ended up at, Detroit Public Safety Academy. The Highland Park School Board president said other students from the city have also wound up in Detroit schools, or ones in Hamtramck or Southfield. The summer day friends were going, and I said, well, maybe I can trust that you can go to school, because one of my neighbors, her son, goes there. So I'm like, well, maybe all three of you guys could catch the bus together, and then I wouldn't be so worried, you know. And sometimes she would drop her son off, and she was like, well, if you know, if you would like, I would drop them off if you, you know, if you feel safe. So it made me feel more comfortable, so I asked them. They decided on their own. But we'll take a chance at going to DPSA. And I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll do that. And it has been very convenient for me. But Tisha still worries about her kids' safety. When her 16-year-old sons aren't getting a lift from a neighbor, they have to bus seven miles from their home to Detroit Public Safety Academy. That's a 30-minute ride downtown. And it could be longer if they take the city bus. It's a worry for a parent. It's a concern. I'm constantly calling them, like, did you make it to school? So I'm constantly calling, like, well, did you get on the bus? Like, yes, ma, we got on the bus. We're at the school. We had to, and then even though they have to catch the city bus there, I think he had to walk at least maybe two or three blocks just to get to the school. So that, you know, that was a concern. I never had that. I took one bus and it took me to school. So it would be so convenient. I'm pretty sure for my children and for the other children, that is coming up in Holland Park to just go to a community school. Every community needs their own school that the children can grow up and know their community and where, you know, how it was built and where it came from. Coming up, the people planning to resurrect the hometown high school. As Michigan's leading statewide business advocacy organization, the Michigan Chamber of Commerce is on the job every day standing up for job providers in the legislative, political, and legal arenas. We are the unified voice of thousands of members who employ over one million Michiganders. We work with trade associations and local chambers of commerce of every size and kind in all 83 counties of the state. We know business in Michigan. Learn more today about how we can protect, connect, and strengthen your business. Whether that's advocating on your behalf at the Capitol, helping meet your informational training and networking needs, or boosting your bottom line visibility and voice, we're on the job for you. Make my chamber your chamber. Go to mychamber.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-M-B-E-R.com, to learn more now. We're back talking with education equity reporter Lily Altavina about the state of Highland Park's education system and the people who have plans to change it. As you heard at the top of the episode, we caught up with her to check out what's left of the city's two former high school campuses. Wow, it's like fully cut. Yeah, no, it looks good. Highland Park Community High School, home of the four bears? Polar bears. Polar bears. <laughs> In my defense, the, it is scratch, it is, what is that on top of it? I don't know, but it's, it's wiping it away. It doesn't look great. So Highland Park Community High School used to be here. The actual building was oh. demolished. Yeah, it was right behind there. Okay. And so yeah. when I was talking to Tisha and she said, you know, when they tore it down, this is the school she's talking That's about. That's, yes. This is the, this was the most recent high school, or at least what's left of it. What's, what's going on nowadays with, with Highland Park? 
Yeah. So, so you have a group of people who want to start a new high school and those are the people we talked to. There was, you know, Zakia Kipson, who's the chief education officer for the school district. There's Shamayim Harris, the school board's president, and she's known as Mama Shu around Highland Park. She's the founder of Avalon Village. It's a nonprofit space for community members to go. It's, it's really beautiful. And there's Anthony Askew, who is a board member leading the committee to start a new high school. And so what are they saying? What, what is, what's currently the organization that they have to get this high school started? And where are they in that process? Right now, they've, they've formed a subcommittee to talk to community members, to gather a perspective on whether they'd, you know, even have the support for this kind of high school. Do you think the community is supportive of a high school? You know, do you, do you sense that hunger and kind of what does that hunger look like? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. That's the president of the high school subcommittee, Anthony Askew. Everyone, um, and if you've been covering Highland Park long enough, you know we, we are very proud people. And folks are incredibly proud of um, attending Highland Park High School and being lifetime uh, polar bears. So um, I think everyone has fond memories of what that institution meant for the community. And every person that I know um, in this in this city um, wants to redeem that history um, with a with a new high school. I know some of the children um, that I've talked to that went to Barber Prep. Shamayim Harris, president of Highland Park's school board. They really wanted to stay in high school, um, stay in Highland Park to go to school. They didn't want to go anywhere else. They look forward to um, marching bands. They they look forward to stuff like just prom, like high school stuff in their own town. And it's so cool when that stuff happens because it's like the whole city gets involved when the kids are graduating, you know, from high school. It's almost like a big celebration everywhere um, in your hometown having a school. They're asking questions like, how do we get the finances together for a project like this? Where would we build and utilize building or utilize building space? How would we ensure we have enough students? And like, how do how do you build a high school in a way that's sustainable for a community that's so small? So we're initially looking at a small high school. And that's the Kia Gibson speaking. She's the chief education officer for the school district of Highland Park. A small high school that we can control the academic performance and growth of our students. And so adding on a grade per year is the best route to do that. Just, um, you know, in educational uh, data and research and full implementation of of any school setting. Um, And that allows our teachers to grow with our students as well, because those teachers can move up with their ninth grade students, so forth and so on, and have the opportunity to learn through their ninth through 12th grade education. So a slow growth, um, a steady growth, and a proficient growth for our students. I mean, obviously, um, we all would like to see um, a high school here, but in terms of what kind of high school uh, it will be, it is critical for us to get that direct perspective from uh, a broad collection of folks throughout the community. So not only um, long-term, uh, long-time Highland Parkers, um, business owners, other stakeholders, um, and that is exactly what the community advisory board, um, the purpose of that board is. You know, there are a lot of small rural communities in Michigan that have very small high schools, but that's, you know, hard to sustain and, and hard to start anew. Practically, we'll have to start with just a ninth grade class um, and then add an additional 
year. So essentially starting with just the ninth grade, those ninth graders, then moving on to the 10th grade and, and, and so forth until we're able to create grades for each, um, excuse me, for the entire high school. Do you have an estimate of how many ninth graders? Uh, so as of right now, we conducted the survey and half of the current eighth grade, uh, which is out of 25 students, have responded to the survey and have expressed that they are interested. Uh, typically, uh, your growth in a high school academy would be approximately anywhere from um, the lowest point, 25 to 100 students per grade level. So ultimately, we're looking at an initial high school of maybe 400 students once we met the capacity of 12th grade. And then, of course, I'm, we'll be stellar. So we'll attract other students, you know, to come into the community and increase our enrollment. There's a lot that they have to do. Um, you know, it costs money. They have to figure out the financials. And because of the debt they're dealing with, a new high school would have to be a charter school. That is, until the district gets out from under about $3.9 million still owed. Uh, they need students. Barber Prep has 25 eighth graders and Carver has 28. So we're talking about, you know, 50 students. And, and that's max. You know, it, it's not necessarily that they would have all 50. There are a lot of students who parents still might opt to send them to a Detroit school or a different school or a private school or, you know, whatever school that they could. So it. There, there's a lot of questions still swirling about how do you actually feasibly do this and how do you do this in a way that's sustainable? Currently in the, in the I think we call it the exploratory committee process. Is that right? Yep, they're exploring. Um, and, and also I want to add that they did try to explore this idea in 2020, uh, but that was right before the pandemic hit. Um, and so now, you know, Gibson said their goal is 2023 or 2024. And that is... That's really ambitious. So we'll be following that and, you know, waiting for the particulars of the financials and, you know, the process that they want to take. And, and we'll see. And also, what, what building are they going to use? I think it is about that polar bear spirit. Um, but, like, bigger than that, you know, like, uh, one of the parents that I talked to is, like, every community deserves a high school. Like, it almost feels like your your community is incomplete. And, you know, you're like you're being punished for, you know, things that you didn't do for for problems that you didn't cause. Um so so that I think is is the sense of like this high school was taken away from them for for reasons that aren't necessarily, you know, their fault. They're just parents who are trying to get by, who are trying to send their kids to a school that is close to them and safe. Well, thank you very much, Lily, for your time. I appreciate you talking to me about this. And uh, I guess we'll see what, what comes of the, uh, the subcommittee. Thanks so much, Carrie. This episode was produced by me and Darcy Moran. Anjanette Delgado and Marianne Struman are our executive producers. And Peter Batia is our editor. The music for the show was called Fort Trumbull and was produced by DJ Lost Boy. Thanks for listening and uh, please like the show, subscribe to the show, follow us, leave a comment um, and don't forget to share it with your friends and family. All right, y'all. See you next week.